business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Welcome to the Business and People podcast. I am your host, Walt Bayless, and on this episode, I am unbelievably excited, thrilled with the interview with Nick Halleck, the thrillionaire. The man who has self-funded through the NASA astronaut program. He's a best-selling author. He's played rock music on stage with Bon Jovi and others. He's a world traveler and an absolute inspiration. In this interview, we talk about his, his successes, his mistakes, and his message for anybody that's looking to, to really find the joy in their life. And some of the things that Nick's been able to, to tick off the list have come from an incredibly determined spirit as he looks up to some of the early explorers and really really makes the point that your life is yours to be directed. Enjoy, get inspired and get fired up on this episode of Business and People with our special guest, Nick Halleck. So Nick Halleck, thanks so much for joining us on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm doing really well. Now, Nick, as I look at your uh, your history, you describe yourself as a thrillionaire, and I've got a, an amazing video of you playing rock guitar on an active volcano. What does an average day look like for a thrillionaire? Yeah. I mean, well, first off, the, uh, the, the media is the one who sort of dubbed me the name the thrillionaire in relation to, like, how I live my life. Um, I've, always, you know, I've always been that contrarian, I guess. Like, I mean, for me... It was always like, you know, build your life plan first, you know, build your business plan second. So I've, I've always been chasing that experiential living, for example, you know. And um, because, um, you know, there's a mosaic of what I do, there's this, there's this like, you know, kaleidoscopic tapestry, I guess. It, it, it really depends what day of the week you ask me in relation to what I do. Because, um, you know, I've, I've got multiple hats. I mean, but essentially, you know, I live a five-day week in lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. Uh, you know, I've got crazy lofty goals, um, you know, and some of the original goals that I wrote down as a young eight-year-old with nothing to lose, you know. Having drafted my screenplay and I've been the actor, the producer and director for the last 38 years plus, I've just been acting out my life. And, um, you know, it's amazing when you, um, when you emotionalise something, when you internalise it on a cell level and when you socialise it to the outside world where they hold you accountable. Nice. Uh, when, you've, when, you've, when you've lived something long enough, when you've believed something long enough, and uh, yeah, it just brings, I mean, it brings great joy, but it also gives me a strong sense of purpose. And, uh, you know, that's like a shit done. Absolutely. Do you know, I think, mate, the, the, the more people that we speak to, that ability to have clarity that they are in control of the next chapter of their life, I think is a gift that if you can give control. that is really... Control. Absolutely. Yeah. When, was it, when did it kick in for you? Like, I mean, that, that list that you wrote as an eight-year-old of the 10 things you wanted to do and, and being able to, as you said, direct the play of your life and achieve those things. What was the turning point? When did you say, do you know what? I can actually do this. Uh, the paradigm shift was at age eight. I mean, here's, here's a crazy thing. I mean, I had a paradigm shift. I don't even know what a paradigm shift was, obviously. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't smell it. Yeah. But um, I think that gave me purpose. Yeah. Because here's, here's an interesting thing, right? Um, you know, chronic allergies, debilitating asthma, um, I was homeschooled for the first 10 years. Wow. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't homeschooling in the, tra- the uh, traditional sense because mum and dad would be working. My dad was a truck driver working for a company called Pioneer. He would come home one week of every month. So he spent a lot of time out there, you know, laying asphalt as Australia was basically expanding its frontiers, whatever you do. And mum was a seamstress uh, working six days a week, 
you know, 12 hour days. So really my sisters have really raised me, you know. You're right. So, uh, um, but uh, I, my parents gave me a set of the Encyclopedia Britannica right. and a set of Tintin. You know, this this roving reporter, you know, traveling around the world, going to space, you know, you know, um, submersibles, you know, um, discovering the Amazon jungle, Inca temples, and all that kind of thing. And you know, I am the love child of the Encyclopedia Britannica and Tintin because Fantastic. you know, so it's always been that that sense of adventure. And um, going back to when I was um, mentally confined to my bedroom. My first strategy was working out how to get the hell out of the house. Sure. You know, sure, yeah. and um, I was, you know, at that particular point, I was living in Australia. So originally made in Greece, raised in Australia. So um, I was Australia's pharmaceutical poster boy. Wow. You know, basically, my new system was basically pharmaceutically hemorrhaging. Yeah. And then we thought I was basically um, under duress, I guess I was, you know, forced to take whatever to. So that was my initial strategy. And um, once I worked out how to escape the, the confines <laughs> of my, my, my medical circumstances, you know, it was, at that particular point, it was just like in a medical brain fog, you know, medical brain astigmatism. Wow. And then, you know, seeing life in the outside world. And it wasn't until I hit orientation day at school. Now, here I am, about 10 years of age. I've now ventured to the outside world. I'm going to school. I've joined academia for the very first time. Fantastic. And I realized that I was very different to the other kids. Okay. And that was my hot on him. Um, and, and I said to my parents, I mean, it just feels really strange. Like I, I, I can't relate to these kids because my upbringing was the Britannica. And it was almost like for the, for, for, for the first 10 years of my life, I was in the orbit of literature that was basically transmitting a high frequency of wisdom. Wow. Compared to an academic textbook <laughs> that was really just, um, you know, at a real basic level kind of thing. And plus, I, I, had a, I, I mean, I knew my geography around the world. I could name every city around the world, you know. I mean, I had such a lustful life and travel. And, um, but I also had those, the set of 10 goals that I wrote down as an eight-year-old, which became my compass, in relation to what I was going to um, dedicate my life towards. That's unreal, mate. That's really amazing. And I, I think as people were listening to the introduction here, you've done some incredible things already. I talked about, you know, self-funding through the NASA program. You, you've played on stage with Bon Jovi. Self-made millionaire. I mean, the list is going on. And I can see the five-day weekend, now best-selling author of the five-day weekend, which is a brilliant book, by the way. Congratulations. What would you say is your biggest achievement, Nick? If you looked across the scope of where you are now, what's the thing that you say, do you know, that's my proudest peak right now? You know what? I, I've, I've, I've yet to experience that. Which is, I mean, I, but I do, I do look forward to the other joys of fatherhood when I finally get around to it. Okay. I want, I want to be that beacon of light. I want to be that lighthouse and illuminate the path for, uh, for young kids to follow. For me, that will be my crowning, uh, my crowning jewel, I guess, you know. The one to look forward to. You know, because right now, I mean, uh, I'm still in that selfish pursuit because um, I'm, I'm currently on the um, I'm working on the Explorer Grand Slam right now, and I've got two more mountains and I've completed the Explorer Grand Slam. The Explorer Grand Slam is um, is something the highest mountain in the world, the Seven Summits. Wow! On the, on the first attempt. Wow. Okay. You don't get a second shot. All right. And skiing the last degree of the North Pole and the South Pole. Wow! Cool. That's the Grand Slam. Okay. 
the last hundred miles. So I'm, I'm currently working on NASA. I've got two more mountains and I've done Explorers Grand Slam. But I'm also working on completing every country in the world. So I'm up to country 155 now. Uh, and according to the United Nations, it's 195 countries. So I'll be, once I complete my 195 countries, which I've got 40 more countries to go, and my Explorers Grand Slam, I'll be the only person living who'll have completed all of that. That's so fantastic. if that's out of the way, then I can dedicate, um, you know, um, expediting the family. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a terrific, that's a terrific resume, man. Like that's a, that's an incredible list to tick off. And what, one of the things that I'm, I'm um, keen to understand as well is as a success driven individual, as somebody who at age eight had that paradigm shift that I can control my life, I can move forward. I'm sure, no doubt that you've had peaks and troughs along the way. What's, what's, what's been the biggest, whoops, a mistake moment for you and what did you learn from that along the way? Definitely. Um, look, the amount of times that I've ended up in a financial cul-de-sac. Okay. <laughs> you, know, but it's, uh, you know, literally, um, you know, having a, a building a financial, uh, you know, circular driveway, just going round and round in circles, you know. Literally like a ship, you know, like a ship in the Atlantic Ocean without a rudder just churning water going round and round in circles. But um, I've been it because... Um, I, I didn't perform enough due diligence and I wasn't patient enough. In most cases, I was, like, for example, I mean, you know, I love, I love you know, real estate. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a multi-family apartment real estate investor and I do a lot of, um, you know, do a lot of the strategies in, in the financial markets. So a lot of time back in the early days, you know, my, my days was basically paying my dues, you know. Sure. I'm forcing the market play as opposed to allowing the market to come to me. Okay. You know? Whereas like, or I was creating a product, not having researched the marketplace, for example, you know. Sure, sure. And, and, and you found yourself in, dig, in deep holes as a result? Absolutely. And you never would get out of the hole, so stop digging, right? Right. Yeah, and, sure. But it's also the, the skill set of knowing how to exhibit behavioral flexibility to adjust your pitch, adjust your angle, it changes the lens of your perspective of how you view the market, for example, or whether there's an emerging trend that you need to be in front of. So you basically create the, the protocol, the platform, and then allow the market to come to you. You know? And I give it it's kinda of like it's kinda of like if you're like a real estate investor, you know, find find some good um, land near uh, an emerging city. And yep. wait 10 years for that thriving metropolis to catch up to your land. Oh, I get it. Okay. So you, you're putting a, 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 a spike in the, in the land and you're saying, right, this is mine now, but it's not, exactly. we're not going to let it catch up. And Well, it's going to, be, it's going to capitalise when things catch up. And that could be in technology. It might be in medical. It might be, you know, physically in real estate. It could be in anything. But it's, you know, it's, it, it, could, it could be incorporated in business, the financial markets, and real estate. It's yep. the same. It's understanding and deciphering and unraveling some of that topsoil, for example, and drilling deep in a particular premise or a product or a service, for example. You know? Nice. And, um, and a lot of it is, um, you know, it's, it's understanding my intersection with the primal instance of human emotion, which is greed, fear, and indecision. That took yep. me a few decades to really, really master. Okay. You know, you know because... And now that you have, mate, what, what insights does that give you? Well, it's when you understand greed, fear, and decision, where the fear of losing money is greater than the greed of making money. Right. And understanding the indecision and that lackluster, you know, uh, human sentiment. It's repetitive. It's cyclical. And for me, you know, I've been able to, like, you know, um, 
basically draft out the economic cycles for the next 10, 20, 30 years based on 200-year historical data. And I've pretty much been orchestrating my life in relation to my investments based on things that I wrote down 10, 20, 30 years ago. For example, 2008, I mean, I had had already called that back in the late late 1990s. In 2015, I was telling everybody, get ready, you know, the Dow Jones is going to hit 27,000 points, you know. And, you know, it's, it's understanding different cycles. Like right now, for example, we've got 18 months left in the American cycle, the American economy, before we enter like a recession between 2021 and 2023. Then 2023 and, um, to 2020, 2024 will be the start of the greatest bull run up until 2027. Just understanding cycles like that. So, for example, it's knowing how to basically be in cryptocurrencies right now for the next 18 months, then exiting and then pivoting into real estate because real estate will have bombed by 2021, for example. So it's understanding the convergence of different marketplace. So, you know, if you're speculating in cryptocurrencies, you can then pivot into old school assets where you can weaponize and deploy your cash flow into assets to give you more what passive income. And understanding too, during a recession, for example, in America, there's going to be 105 million Americans that will be renting. Once again, it's understanding where the emerging markets are. And when I invest, for example, you know, I'm always looking at who's got the biggest claim. Is the middle class the biggest market? And do I want to be there or do I want to be slightly below it? Because when they lose their jobs, if I've got real estate below them, they come down to my level to rent, for example. Yes. So it's understanding the demographics, you know, where, where the jobs are going, where the jobs are going to be exiting. And then knowing as an investor to foresee and predetermine, for example, you know. So these are the things about human emotion, things that I've, that I've learned along the way, I guess, you know. It, it sounds to me like that early uh, exposure to the encyclopedias in Tintin are, have, have cultivated that fascination with, uh, with, with history and with people and with, you know, the technology and moving forward. And it, it's really pushing you forward on a wave. Absolutely, definitely. I mean, I love travelling around the world. I mean, I was in West Ghana, uh, West, West Africa, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, within six months, I created a business in West Africa, a consultancy business. Wow. One thing I realized, China was developing all of West Africa. So they were bringing in billions and billions of dollars, developing new roads, airports, you know, uh, infrastructure, housing projects. But they didn't have enough individuals on the ground to assist them. Right. You know, yeah. I basically created a, a company to be able to liaise with Chinese construction companies. You know, Fantastic. Like, things like that. I would not have been. Uh, I would not have invested in unless I had actually travelled to that location. And then, you know, once again, just the age-old thing: just solving problems. You know, Fantastic. providing that background. You know, that foundation where you can solidify and provide a solution to some other company, for example. You know. That's unreal, mate. I think I think it's incredible, and I, I, um, I it's probably a, a good metaphor to think about the fact that you're so um, driven by the space race as well that you have that ability to look from outside the globe and see what's happening on a bigger picture. I think it's fascinating, mate. Nick, what do you think is is not being discussed in the world enough right now? I would say there's a lot of individuals. You know, you have this this proliferation of academia, you know? Yep. And uh, I think academia just needs to be exposed for what it is. It's a factory assembly plant 
for the sole purpose of producing tax base and yeah. not really adequately providing the foundation where you can service and fund your lifestyle. See, for a lot of individuals, they work in Monday to Friday, they get, they get parole for the weekend. And how many individuals do we know in our lives that count down the days until the weekend? Absolutely. Because, or they're counting down the months until the next vacation because they despise their life. And then they're counting down the decades until retirement because they despise their lives. But is, do you feel that that's because they don't have the... Yeah, the awareness, the tools. They don't have the education or the, the exposure to they being self-generating. Liabilities. They're not going out to... I mean, look, here's the thing, right? You know, it, it, but in your early 30s, most individuals in the adult, in the adult world uh, develop financial diabetes because their financial news systems have been ravaged by all these free radicals and liabilities, you know, just totally... Uh, overwhelming your anxiety and your stress levels, yeah. and eventually financial diabetes metastasizing into financial cancer. And now you're 60 years of age, you're forced to work until 65, 72 years of age. I mean, my point is this a lot of, a lot of too many individuals are too heavily reliant on government or employers, for example, you know, oh, or they've yeah. got a business where they just basically pay for their own job, you know, they're running an adult daycare center. They're yep. paying everyone to pay themselves last, and they've got 100% accountability. Yep. I mean, it's job, you know. But how many individuals? You know, and, and I think the real question is, you know, have you designed a have you designed a life that you don't need a vacation from? Yeah, perfect. You know, and how long can you withstand your lifestyle if you stopped working right now? See, how many individuals just simply just earn money, you know, after tax dollars, and then service their lifestyle, their liabilities over here? Yeah. And you know, not enough. Awareness, you know, and I think I, I think the millennials are probably more doomed, economically doomed, than the prior generation. Because, because they have, because they have even less of that education, mate, or? Well, less of that education. They're more wired and indoctrinated into the system. In other words, they're more institutionalised and a lack of neuroplasticity, for example, right? But um, they also have a... They, they, they spend a lot of money. Like, they, this, is the, this is a generation that won't own a car. They're going to Uber around. They're yeah. not going to own cars. Yep. They're going to just keep on renting where the rent encompasses 65% of the salary. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they're eating at uh, boutique restaurants or Whole Foods, for example, you know, because they want their organic eggs straight from the farm to the table, you know. So, so and, going, and there goes the seeds of financial wealth. Absolutely over here, you know. And um, so it's a whole different generation. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, you know, the current generation, you know, if you look at the, uh, the, the, the current lot of baby boomers who are retiring and they're going to be living off their savings, you know, just with, withdrawing monies from a bank. And unfortunately, their money's invested in the bank in a savings account at 0.02%, which is demoralisingly embarrassing, and where the real rate of inflation is about 7%. Yeah, so they're losing 68 a year. Absolutely. If you, if you weigh in, you know, like... Um, Technological obsolescence and fees yeah, and tariffs. It's just eroding the passion, you know, that inflation, that invisible assassin. Absolutely. not understand about weaponizing and deploying cash flow into assets, you know. And the real test is this. If you got hit by a bus and you're in a coma, how much money are you really generating? Yeah, how That's much is still coming in? It's the coma test. You know, yeah. I, don't recommend you, I don't recommend you get hit by a bus, but it's a real test. It's, you know, it's a good much, measure, isn't it? How much money are you generating whilst in a coma? Yeah, good, good measure. If your entire, if your entire livelihood of the family is heavily reliant on you, 
you know, your attitude, your, your physical, your, your health and awareness and whatever you do, you know, to report to a workstation, a cubicle or a factory floor. But uh, for a lot of us, we just don't get it. And Walter, you know this, the quantification of real success is doing more of what you love and doing less of what you hate. Absolutely. That is the real quantification of success. And for me, build your life plan first. Your life is here. Everything must revolve around your life. Because if you don't find time for your life, you fail to appease yourself. You know, you're going to negate, you know, you're going to be calibrating on, and reverberating on negative energy over here. And uh, you lose that, you lose that spark, that wellification, that blingification, you know, in relation to what makes you tick, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a part I, I love of it. I love it. Nick, how would, you, how would you take that forward to a class of graduating students right now? So these, these, these are kids that are coming into the system uh, and, you know, we can, we can argue the case that it's already too late for the message. They should have been educated 10 years ago. But now yeah. you've got an opportunity, you've got a stage, you've got a microphone, you've got a, a room full of graduating students. What's your message to them? Go overseas for the next two, three years and find yourself. Nice. Okay. They're going to say how. What should I look for? Here's the thing. In 2004, Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook. By 2007, he had no idea. He had no idea what Facebook was going to become. He still didn't know what the business model was going to be. Yep. You know, he had a platform, and you know, he allowed the market to dictate what the business model was going to be. My point is, you don't know either. Go out there, find yourself, because the two most important days in your life: the day you're born and the day you discover why you're born. Nice. Go out Find yourself, aerate yourself, ventilate your mindset over here, internalize, seek the wisdom of other individuals. You know, find successful individuals, you know, and ask them relevant questions. You know, like what have what have been their, their greatest challenges? You know, find a multimillionaire or somebody doing what you love and work for them for free for a couple of years. Nice. Before you look at the monetization of your life. And is that sort of if we take that Mark Zuckerberg example, is that is that allowing the marketplace to determine your platform personally? Absolutely. Yep. Where can market, you make the biggest impact? Allow market, but allow life. Yeah, sure. The direction. Because here's the thing: go out there, and you know, allow life, allow, allow the um, people's influences to guide you, to illuminate, to provide you a bit of a spark, and nice. then to give you the confidence to go out there and then pour accelerate on that particular spark in relation to what really interests you. Because look. I do a lot of guest lecturing at Harvard University. And the real irony there is I have no college degree. I finished my VCE, I finished high school, and then I bought a one-way ticket to Hollywood, California. That was the music days, right? I had nothing to lose. If I bought a return ticket, I was giving, basically it was a sign of weakness, right? Sure. But a one-way ticket, I just had to make it work. When you go overseas for two or three years, a one-way ticket. Do not buy any ticket back to Australia or back to your respective country. Just... Keep on traveling, keep on traveling. And where you have enough social equity, enough emotional equity, and you're calibrating, and you're, 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 there's certain energy, light force, for example, light force energy that powers your soul, and you have a greater understanding and a better means what you, what you truly represent, then come back and then just drill deep and just get cracking and just go all in. I love it, mate. I love it. That's, that's an incredible uh, message to take forward to the, to the youth to be able to find what life has got in store for them and re- what their true passion is. Mate, I want to wind forward with your life. If your 60-year-old self turned up in your living room right now, what do you hope 
your 60 year old self would say to you that's happened and finding you right now what you've got to do to get there what would that 60 year old version of nick halleck be, be saying to you um never get complacent i like <laughs> it is complacency, you know, where you're comfortable being uncomfortable. So what I do is I purposely have something to look forward to every month. You know, it's something grand, something something every month. Every six months, I have something really, really special planned. You know, cool. it's really important that you that you you know that you disrupt yourself because sometimes you can get really cozy and get into like a new relationship, for example. You know, or you've just basically bought a 30-year mortgage, for example, you know. I'm, I'm all about minimalism, you know. If I can't walk away from my life within 30 seconds, I'm carrying way too much baggage. Wow, interesting. Most, most important thing for me is my laptop, my cell phone, and that's it, and my passport. Yeah, cool. You know, uh, I don't have photos around my home, for example. Like right now I'm travelling, you know, but um, you know, everything's, everything's in a hard drive or backed up in a cloud, but um, I, look, if I'm going to buy something, it's going to be something that is timeless and still looks amazingly hot in the next 20, 30, 40 years. I don't just buy something for the sake of just buying something, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, no, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm an investor, you know? It's, it's got to be an asset, you know? Yeah. If it moves, it's going to lose your money. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I completely hear you, mate. So that, that 60-year-old version of you is going to tell you to keep pushing. What would, you, what would you today, knowing what you know now, looking back on that kid who bought the one-way ticket, who, you know, had the goals and the dreams, what would, you, what would your experience now tell your 20-year-old self? Yeah, definitely. Just keep pushing. Nice. Keep pushing. And challenge the status quo and never, never never assume you know uh, for me I'm, I'm, I, I ask questions I drill deep man I mean I'm probably the um, you know and probably another really important thing is the gamification of life tell me about and, that you know where I, I gamify things in life you know where for example like you know if you look at social media the biggest disease right now on social media is comparisonitis yeah comparing life to somebody else's you know, somebody else is always in Mykonos and traveling around the world or in Yarnold or Capri or they're in Morocco kind of thing and they've got these happy poses and selfies and whatever too. I mean, but really, you know, you, you know their life is not like that, you know. Yeah, sure. I compare myself with one individual, and that is Nick Halleck. June, July Nick Halleck is comparing himself with June Nick Halleck. Same with my finances. I mean, you know, the Kaiser principle, small incremental steps, you know, if I can raise my income levels on a monthly basis by an extra 3% every month and comparing it to my, the previous month, I mean, once again, it's the gamification of life. Immerse yourself in the way you gamify things in life. For me, it's walking that gauntlet. I love challenges, you know, because if I fuck up, I mean, you know, in life you'll always be judged of how you're strengthening your resolve, how you how you've managed to recover. So, for example, when I'm meeting like a really successful individual, I'm asking them, man, what were your biggest fuck-ups? And what did you do differently? And how did you pivot out of that negative predicament? Sure. Really having questions to ask as opposed to, well, how did you make your money? Who gives a shit? How did you lose your money is far more is a far more relevant and significant question. Correct, because it can teach. Because, because you can use that solidification to strengthen the rebar of your financial life. Unreal, mate. Unreal. Uh, Nick, I've got uh, only a little bit left of time with you, and I, I know you're uh, heading off on travel. I've got a 60-second challenge, which I love asking our guests. Uh, and, and so this is my 60-second challenge to you, Nick Halleck. A friend of yours who you haven't seen for a long time, 
tells you they've just started out on their own. They finally got into that entrepreneurial world. Uh, they really admire what you've done. What advice are you going to give this friend for their best chance of success in 60 seconds? Yeah, definitely. Find their smile. You nice. Know, just find smile. What puts a smile on your face? What brings a chin to your eyes? You know, emotionalize your goals, you know, uh, written words that leave impressions, spoken words just evaporate. But um, internalize the goals, emotionalize them, and socialize the goals. Nice. Absolutely that's, that's, uh, that's good advice. You've got like 20 seconds left. Anything else you want to share? Yeah. Just finding that juice of life, finding that smile, man. I Being around it. vibrant individuals at all times, you know, and some of the parameters as to who you invite into your life. Bring in the joy. Bring in the joy in what you're doing, not... not uh, yeah. Not chasing the clocking time clock. Have there been any, um, you said the, the uh, written words um, sink into your mind whereas spoken words evaporate. Have this, has there been any books or podcasts or media or, or videos that you've watched that have made a significant impact on your life other than Tintin and the Encyclopedia Britannica? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, there are certain movies that I, that I love, for example, I've always loved movies, you know, with it's a triumph of the spirit, for, for example. Like one of my favourite movies is like is a movie called Gattaca. I'm not sure if you've ever seen nice, Gattaca. Yep, love it. Basically about a guy's quest to go to space. And he was born with a, um, a flawed, you know, DNA, for example. And it just shows all the lengths that he did in order to go to space. I love that story, you know. And, and it's all about, um, you know, just scaling up and scaling up and doing whatever it takes and cutting every sort of a trick, you know. But I also love movies like Papillon. Okay. Which is, once again, the, the, the human spirit where a guy gets falsely imprisoned. You know, he escapes eight times and now he's in solitary confinement for 10, 20 years. And then finally, he's now 85 years of age and he escapes one more time. He's nine for 10 and he makes it to freedom. Wow. He never, <laughs> he never, he never gave up. But definitely my two favourite movies, Papillon and Gattaca. Once again, awesome. similarities, the human spirit and never, ever giving up. I love it. I love it. And uh, who, who's someone that you look up to in a, as a role model sort of that embodies that, that same spirit that you're talking of? For me, it's all the, uh, all the explorers that have come before me. Nice. You know, those outliers, those disruptors, those individuals who dared to be different, those individuals who, who were very idiosyncratic, had their own persona, and they pushed the boundaries. They pushed the boundaries. They were not monolithic with their thinking. They were never tethered to conventional thinking. They just went all in on life. Fantastic. Give me a name of somebody living or dead that, that fits that uh, profile. For me, living-wise, I will say Elon Musk, Peter Diamandis, you know, for living-wise. And those who are, I would say, individuals from the past are probably the story of George Mallory. Right. George Mallory in 1929 was actually one of the first first individual to summon Mount Everest. About 30 years, about um, 22, 23 years before um, Hillary and Tenzing did. And George Mallory studied the store of George Mallory and they found his body about 27,000 feet. So he basically had already summited Mount Everest in 1929. Hillary did it in 1953, but um, the story of um, Sandy Irvine and George Mallory, where they found their bodies and um, they, had, they, they were coming down, they were descending. But um, just that story of these guys in 1929. I'll look and, it up. That sounds fascinating. Mount Everest. It oh, really look it up. 
It's a beautiful, such a beautiful story. And again, the, the human spirit uh, winning through. Nick, what's what's next for you? My my last question. What's what's next for Nick Halleck in terms of? You mentioned every month you're doing something that's exciting. Every six months you're doing something that's out of control and and really something to really look forward to. What's yeah. your big? What's what's the marker that we're going to be able to see somewhere? You know, be it a year, ten years in the future for you that we're going to say, "Wow, yeah. I heard it first on the podcast." Yeah. Well, right now, um, a buddy of mine with with um, just uh, we've actually. Do you know um, El Chapo? Uh, he was a big, yeah, big, cart- big, big, big cartel lord, yeah. Mexico. Um, anyway, so a, a few of us got together. We acquired one of these airplanes. Wow. Yeah, one of the drug-running planes. Does uh, it smell funny? <laughs> sold by the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, at an auction. Wow. Uh, we were in that plane for the next two or three months, and we're going to explore every, uh, every country or island in Micronesia. Fantastic. Uh, 14, 15 countries that I haven't been to. And we're going to, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of diving at the Bikini Atoll. So uh, courtesy of our Chapo's plane, we're going to basically do all of the South Pacific. And we're going to just gallivant from one island and springboard to the other island. So that's in the next um, two or three months. And uh, that plane has a very interesting history to it. But, um, I mean, like I said, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, very close to completing the Explorer Grand Slam, the Volcano Grand Slam. And um, in the next four years, I'll have completed my 195 countries. And I think after that, um, I'm probably ready for alien abduction because by then I've done everything on planet Earth, you know. So uh, for me, I'm looking for the next exploits. And I would love to be one of the first colonists um, to colonize Mars and just literally just walk away from everything here on Terra. When you get up there, mate, uh, you have to set up a bookstore and the uh, the only book they stock will be Five Day Weekend. Well, here's the thing. My first book, The Thrillionaire, there's a library of nine books on the International Space Station. In 2008, when my first book came out, two books went up to the space station on the TMA 13 mission. One, one book was actually um, thrown outside of the spacecraft during an EVA. And it wow. basically orbited Earth a couple of times before burning into re-entry, right? Which is probably the first book in history to basically orbit re-entry back into Earth. The other book resides on the, in the library. In and the space station. Astronauts me saying, "Hey, I just read your book. Love it. You get an email from space." But um, I love it, mate. I love it, Nick Halleck, the Thrillionaire, buddy. Thank you so much for for spending some time for sharing a message of inspiration and uh, and as you said, personal spirit to achieve whatever they want to achieve and to chase the smile. Absolutely love it, mate. Congratulations on your success so far. I look forward to hearing of the uh, the 195 tick off, the grand slams, and uh, and of course seeing all of the success in the world, man. Thank you so much for joining me.